0: I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, Father, the oh, I Jesus, will sing we thank you, that of you, God good you. We thank you for your everlasting love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you looked beyond us and you looked on the one on the middle cross. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for sustenance, for provision, for protection. We thank you for anointing our eyes. We thank you that we did not miss you in the year 2022. We thank you for boldness. We thank you that we are blessed because we have the God of Jacob for our help. We thank you for wisdom, knowledge and understanding. We thank you that we can call you our Father. And most importantly, we thank you that you call us your children, when we pray. And may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight in the name of our Lord Jesus Amen Wow we are grateful to God for another opportunity that thanking God that He has qualified us to see another day and while it is day we would work the works of him who has sent us because we know that the night season of our life is coming where we will not be able to work so while we are here we will give God our best so tonight we are looking at a hopefully a very short discussion title, Come Home, Come Home. It's a sequel to what we did last week. That was that. Do Not Leave Home. Um, Ideally, should have been the part two, but we want to do it as a sequel. So this is a sequel to last week's episode. So if you have not listened to it, you can always find the episode, Don't don't Leave Home. So we just want to start with the words of Jesus in Matthew 11:28 28, when he said that, Come unto me, all you who are burdened and heavenly dead and i will give you rest come unto me throughout scripture several times we see god and jesus giving invitation to people to come to him in fact when i was quite younger one of the things that i remember hearing is that one way you know this is the voice of god and this is not the voice of god is that it always draws you to the presence of god so any voice that tells you to leave the presence of god any action any choice that you take and it doesn't give you and doesn't take you a step closer to god is not the voice of god because god always says come in Hebrews chapter 4 the writer inspired by the holy Ghost, that come boldly unto the throne of grace jesus when he met zacchaeus he said come down for today i'm going to stay with you so we constantly see that god is giving us an invitation to come and immediately sin sets in. The God who had always had an open-door policy with Adam sin told him that no, he must rather go away from God. So one easy way to identify sin and something that is of God is that sin draws you away from the presence. Sin doesn't make you want to go into the presence. And I, I think I've mentioned before it's called the deceitfulness of sin. And hopefully, one day you look into the study, the deceitfulness of sin. Sin deceives us. So we want to one day we look at the various deceptions that we fall into when we sin. But last week we looked at the parable of the loving father. That was the background story on which we built our our discussion on and for those of us who have not listened to we have done a whole exegesis on that what we mostly call the parable of the prodigal son. but we prefer to title it the parable of the loving father based on scripture so if you have also not listened to that one it's a series i think a five or six part series you can go and listen to it to give you a richer understanding on the parable but in this context or in this discussion we are just using Snippets of the parable to have our discussion and from last week we, we made mention of the fact that the boy did not tell his father why he wanted to leave home and that communication is not always verbal because the mere fact that the boy left home was an indication that he didn't want to be with the father that is why we always get hurt when people leave our lives in fact it is one of the most painful experiences you can ever go through especially if it's through death but at least with the one that is to death, it wasn't the person's choice. But when people live your life, it can really leave a painful and an indelible mark on your heart. That's why we always, people who, um, their spouse or their beloved leaves them, especially without seeing anything. And you always keep asking yourself, am I not good enough? What did I do wrong? That's always the question that we ask ourselves. Because we feel like if you are in the right place, why would you want to leave? So if you are a beloved or you are a guy you are a lady and your beloved leaves you, Without any tangible reason, without something that both of you know that that this one, it was not working. But one day he just sends you a message or he invites you and he says, Charlie, I think it's over. You would always ask yourself why. So even though he did not communicate pain to you, his living, especially without a tangible reason, or her living without a tangible reason causes pain friends who live your life and you wonder, someone who are best friends with you, they are calling the person, you are making the effort to be friends and you are wondering, with the person just giving you a cold shoulder. And then the same thing that this prodigal son did. And you see the issue is that if it was just about the inheritance, you see most people that live your life, if they didn't give you a reason, they never give you the real reason. Because if it was just about inheritance, you know, for all you know, when that guy was leaving, his friends and his other brother would have spoken to me like, oh, why are you leaving? He may have said something like, I have big dreams. Eh, me too. I want to be a mom of my own. I want to achieve something. I don't want to live in my, my father's glory. I don't want to live in my father's cloud. I don't want to depend on my father's strides. I want to aim my own strides. And Papa is not dying. Papa, every day, he looks younger. He's always going to play golf. So I don't think he's dying. And time is catching up with me. If it was just about the resources, about the inheritance, this young man would not have gone into a far away country. If it was just about inheritance, he could have taken his inheritance and just gone to the nearby street or to the next street or even to the next town. But the Bible said that not many days after this man journeyed into a far country. So he would realize that the issue is not necessarily about the inheritance, but his disassociation with the father. He wanted to be out of the reach and the range of the father. And I love the father, the father did not ask any question. the father did not sit down to try and juxtapose with this young man, is it that the monthly allowance is not enough, is it that I'm not allowing you to achieve your dreams, what is going on, but just by the fact that this young man left, it was a painful scenario because why would you not want to stay in the house of your father? Why would no one want to enjoy the pleasures of being in the father's house where you have servants at your beck and call, where you have people attending to you morning, noon and night. But you realize that what this guy was actually looking for was independence from his father. And that is the morale and the truth behind tonight's study, that many of us are living lives independent of God. And tonight, God's word to us is to come home. So you realize that after this guy left, the Bible said that we we know that he spent all he had, and not long after farming came. But the issue is that now the real state of life outside the father's house was dawning on him. And interestingly, immediately his resource got finished, then the farming came in. And the one who was now having servants at his back and call was now fighting with pigs over their food. And that is the state of life Outside the father's house, that the one who used to eat the choices of meat, the choices of food that wear the choices of clothes, have the best life ever possible to a man is now competing with animals as filthy as pigs for their food. And the Bible said he desired the food. So he had transcended from just living off the food for survival, but he began to have cravings for the food. How did he get to this state? because he sought for a life outside the father's house. A life outside the father's house is a dead life. That is why when he came back and the elder brother went to see the father and was complete, or the father rather went to see the elder son, it was like this, our son was dead, but now it's alive. You see, we need to appreciate the fact that a life independent of God is a dead life. This is not something that your opinion matters. This is not something that... You need to be cajoled to believe before it is real. This is the reality of life. That life outside your father's house, that state that you are in is a dead state. It is dead people. That is why Ephesians 2, Paul describes that once we were dead in trespasses and sins, but God has quickened us together. The day Adam acts of the tree of good and evil, God said, in that day you will die. In the day the young man stepped out of his father's house, it was the day that he died it was only a matter of time the death was gradual that is what also happened in the garden by the time adam had left the garden by the time we go to chapter six we can see how evil the imaginations and the thoughts of men were that god was fed up with man and even at chapter four murder had already taken place by the day adam left adam did not notice any change the only change that he noticed was that now he was wearing clothes and I'm sure they were like, you know, just today at church, the man of God who was ministering made an interesting statement. He was like, he was wondering the conversation Adam would have if, after God had sent them from the garden. You can just imagine that and say, so you, eh? why did you come into my life? I was enjoying life in the garden. You can imagine how interesting that quarrel would be. And I'm sure whenever Adam was stealing the ground for food, he would look towards the Garden of Eden and say, Ah, Eden, Eve, Eve, what is this that you have done? (laughs) But it's interesting that that's the way death is. That at the beginning, you'll be enjoying. It seems as though you are still alive. So Adam outside the garden looked as though everything was normal until he woke up one morning to hear that his second son was dead. And as I said, by the time you get to chapter 6, the Bible said every imagination of man was evil and God had had enough with man. And you get to see that with time, things are just going to get hard with time. And if you think things are hard now, honey. things are going to get more harder because sin grows with time. Death, you see, the more you remain dead, the more your body stinks, the more um, worms and and decomposers begin to eat up your body. So the first time somebody dies, by the first hour, the body still remains warm. By the third, fourth hour, the body cools down because metabolic activities have stopped. So by the time the person has died for a day, you realize that the person's body temperature becomes cold. And the person begins to bloat because of the gases that are being produced in the body stomach. And as each and every passing day, the person composes the, the more is the same with life outside the father's house. For the first few moments, life will seem to be normal. But it is just a matter of time before the effect of sin, before the effects of life outside the father's house happens. And the word is death. Death is when you do not begin to respond again to stimuli. You see, that is why whenever someone, they, their body is found, they, they, they try to touch the person, try to shake the person, to know if the person is still alive. And death, when you leave your father's house, because you are seeking for independence, what you are doing, that you are actually killing your senses to be responsive to God. That is why I always keep wondering, and God minister this to me, that there are people who are always in church, But yet still you look at the choices they make each and every day and you ask yourself, is it that when they go to church they do not hear the word of God? But the issue is that because now their senses are no more receptive to the voice of God, they are dead to God. They are living life outside the Father's house. And we want to just take a short perusal through the book of Romans as we look at the state of life outside the father's house hopefully one day we will do at this chapter more detail but we want to just look at this portion of romans 1 through the lens of life outside the father's house and i'll be flipping between the king james and the niv just for us to get a better understanding romans 1 verse 18. this is one portion of scripture that people call the hate speech that is a speech full of hate and that people are even fighting that this portion of scripture be removed from the Bible because it addresses their dead state head on and dead people don't like the truth. That is one nature or one characteristic of people who are alive or who are living outside the father's house. They are people like Saul. They are people who are unreceptive and unrepentant to the word of God. They are people who no longer can be changed by the word of God and now they begin to attack the word of God. But let's look at Romans 1 and it says from verse 18 The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and the wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. The first characteristics of a life outside the Father's house is that they suppress the truth by wickedness. The King James says that they hold the truth in unrighteousness. You see, many people, or when you leave the father's house, as the guy was walking to the faraway country, his conscience was breaking him that what you are doing is all right. But each and every moment and each and every day he takes a step further away from the father's house. Truth confronts him. But what he does is that he suppresses the truth. And that's the way sinners. We know that what we are doing is not right, but we begin to suppress it. We begin to come up with excuses. And let me tell you, the world has a plethora of excuses to give, to indulge in every sin. You'll be fascinated by the wonderful things people tell you for why they are doing what they are doing. And eh? Until now, and the most recent excuse is, oh, I'm stressed. This is a, a way of relieving stress. <laughs> Mercy. Mercy. When you have the antidote to stress in the word of God, they like, oh, this is not anything serious. It's just to reduce stress. What they are doing is they suppress the truth. You know that you are gossiping against the person. You know that what you are saying is not true. But then you begin to give excuses like, oh, you know, child, this is politics. We have to do what we do to get by. It's nothing personal. It is personal. When you are accusing people, it is personal. When you are lying, it is personal. But people begin to brush over these things because they suppress the truth. I always say this thing that whenever you tell a lie, no matter how big or small you call it, if you do not sense the Holy Ghost breaking you, then you are in a deck. I think I share on the platform that whenever I tell a lie, or even when I exaltate or I exact like something a little, I always hear that breaking. And whenever i hear it even though i am sad i am also glad it just gives me an indication that god still considers me as his child because in, in hebrews chapter 12 verse 7 he said that whoever the father loves he chastens and rebukes every son whom he receives so when god stops rebuking you god is simply saying that he doesn't consider you son. and we look at this portion again So he said, the first thing about life outside the father's house is that you suppress the truth. This prodigal son knew very well that he was not leaving the father's house because he had a dream he wanted to accomplish. He was not leaving the father's house because the father was suppressing him. The father was being a tyrant. He knew very well that he was leaving the father's house because he was seeking for a life independent of his father. Evil independence. Verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God had shown it unto them. Verse twenty. For the invisible things of Him, from creation of from the creation of the world, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power and the Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Ah, he's saying that. This, let's, let's, let's use the NIV As I said, I'll try and go between the NIV and the King James says that what may be known about God is plain to them what we need to know about God is plain what the prodigal son needed to know about the father's house was plain because this was not somebody who was a child a toddler who doesn't know the consequences and the implications of it. <laughs> neither was he ignorant of the benefits of the father's house he knew clearly he knew the benefits he was enjoying only because he was in the Father's house. So, because God had made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, which is His eternal power and divine nature, has been clearly seen, being understood. How are they clearly seen? Being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. I always tell this, I'm a science person. I always tell people this, that the little science I know, it gives me more evidence about the power of God and the nature of God. So it is fascinating to see that people who think that they have accomplished much in knowledge are either denying the existence of God. What they are doing is is what the King James says in the, in the verse, okay, the verse 21. Because that's when they knew God they glorified him not as God. When you take a study about nature, about life, it tells you about God. So these people they knew God, but they didn't want to give God the honor due Him. I always tell people that even if you study about the DNA, about the four nucleic acids, you will be amazed about the eternal power of God. Hey, when you study a little. About how your human. I think one day I think I was I was teaching about um, muscle contraction. Either that or action potential. That is uh, how our nerve cells conduct impulses. And somebody was like, Hey, all these things are going on in our body just like that. The way some iron-gated channels would open and sodium and potassium are just moving around and just the movement of sodium and potassium, it is what is carrying in. When you study about the human nature, it clearly tells you the eternal power of God and the nature of God. But the very people who are studying these things and revealing or uncovering the truth about about the human nature or even about creation are the very people who are denying the reality of the eternal power of God. Creation itself is a proof that there is a creator. And you see intelligent people who believe in things like the endosymbiotic theory of the origin of life or of cells. You look at the theory and you wonder, Are these theories being propounded by intelligent people? These are people who know God, but they do not want to give him the credit due. This prodigal son knew very well that everything he has and everything he had was because of his father, but he did not want to give his father his due recognition. Just recently, I think I was studying about, I think it was also um, muscle contraction or, or genetics about inheritance. I think muscle contraction and how our muscles contract and relax, you will be amazed. Ah! And when you just look at life, if you're a physics person, when you look at the, the, the universe, you'll be amazed. One day, hopefully, on you know, this series, will take us through some things about the planetary, I think I've said on this platform before, that just, think, just go to YouTube and watch videos about the universe, and you'll be amazed. you see the power, power at display. place. Power of God at display. You'll be amazed. The power of God at display. Just a few days ago, I was teaching about um I think Krebs cycle and glycolysis and link reaction, and the people were just looking at me. They said, "Hey!" And someone the same person asked, like, ah, "How did the scientists know all these things?" Then then they, then this thing phosphorylation here, then deox. I said, <laughs> and the, and as I was just at in awe. Ah, When I look at the process that we go through just to release ATP or energy, I say, no, 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 no. This God is too big. And it doesn't just reveal about the power of God, but it tells you about the nature of God. That is why the most unnatural thing to do, which goes against the very core of humanity, is homosexuality. And Paul addresses this in this because yesterday about creation it doesn't just tell you about the power of god but it tells you about the nature of god how god is a god of order how god is a god of principle oh god and I'm getting emotional. And he says that in the first because when they knew God, when you study about the DNA, you will know God. When you study about humans, you will know God. When you study about creation, you will know God. When you see the animals that God has made, you will know God. I always tell people, that look at our face. Everybody has two eyes, a mouth and nose and two ears. But this God has not run out of ideas in rearranging and shaping our eyes, nose, mouth and ears. That for zillions of years, every time people are being born, and yet still, there's always uniqueness in each and everybody's face. How come God has not run out of ideas? It tells you the nature of God. What nature? The creative ability of God. The God who never repeats his design. Hey, look at our fingerprints as they tell us. For the over zillion people that have lived and are still living, no two people have the same thing. How many ways can you rearrange lines and a fingerprint? <sighs> it says, because when they knew God, those who are telling us about our fingerprint and the rest, when they look at these things you will clearly know that there is a God that there is a good father. They do not glorify him as God. Neither were they thankful. Sometimes when I'm just telling about these things, I cannot but just think about the goodness. And mostly when I'm studying about these things, all my worries disappear. <laughs> when you just study about the stars, how it will take what British Airways flying at a very tough speed, I've forgotten the, the figures. It will take British Airways, I've forgotten one of the fastest planes, travel at a particular speed it will take them about thousands of years just to go across the surface of one star and you know all these things when you look at the vastness of the universe Just take a study about these things and you'll clearly be thankful to god all your problems will disappear because you will know or you'll be reminded of the one you have not just as your god but as your father He says, but they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22: Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Exactly what their prodigal son did. Even though he clearly knew that life was not worth living outside his father's house. He decided not to be grateful to God for his father. And I'm sure on his way. And when he was chilling with the big boys, and he was bam and they were asking, ah, are you not the son of Mr. Rich? Why are you here? He said, oh, as for that man, don't mind me. That man, he has been stealing government money. That man, has been doing this. He was not grateful to the man who took care of him and made him a rich man, sir. He was not grateful, but he became vain in his imagination. And as a result of that, he became foolish. Their hearts were foolish. And you know, at this point, you know, he began to give quotes. When he was chilling, he was like, eh, don't worry. I'll show my father how they do it. I'll be a very rich man. You know, you don't need to leave. You know, I'm sure as he was chilling and partying, he was becoming wise. You know, when you have money, automatically you look wise. I'm sure he went to clubs and parties and events and was sponsoring. Oh, all their dreams on me. And professing to be wise they became fools professing to know how nature works professing to know how the human body functions professing to know or to be knowledgeable professing to have in-depth knowledge into technology into science into professing to know these things they themselves think they're wise but they end up becoming foolish sometimes when you come across i don't work but when i come across all these philosophical quotes eh, about how Oh, the rights of people and the this and you listen to the so-called high-minded theories and you just run at the base of their theory the foolishness their stupidity that is inside there their knowledge they profess the foolishness you listen to people talk about gays about lesbianism about transgender that they say I am gender fluid I remember one time on our way to work I and the colleagues we are making a fun of these things that one day we do when we go to America, and listen, our uh, visa expired, and we are supposed to come back, we will tell the people that we, to our nationality, fluid. We identify ourselves as Americans. So, you are going against our rights if you deport us back to Africa. You know that at the base of this high-minded philosophy is foolishness, foolishness. Just because, even though they know the clear and obvious thing, even though, even from creation. God is making everything plain to us. They rejected Him, so we do. I was in we are all, all nationality fluid. I identify as a as a Canadian. So please, you are hampering my right if you don't grant you, you start to go to Canada. <laughs> you are sitting on my... But remember how foolish these things are, and this is the same thing people are doing, and these are done by so-called intelligent and brilliant people. So-called intelligent and rich and smart people and you just realize at the core of their philosophical achievements and 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 words and quotes the foolishness inside the foolishness inside just i think when we're having this discussion maybe saw so, i made a picture of a transgender woman who has impregnated two. she was in prison and was in prison she impregnated and somebody showed me somebody who was once a man and now claims is a woman or identified as a woman was in prison and while in prison she impregnated he what say, he, he she impregnated two women in, in prison. Um I was the video so that the woman was addressed as she and the man was so angry that how dare you call me a she? You are infringing on my right. You are imposing a gender on me. I am a he. That if you are not sure about my gender, call me day or call me. It's a funny, funny. And these are intellectual. Even we that we are foolish in good, we know the basics of life and of creation. But Paul is saying that professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Even though these prodigals knew very well, very well very well that money does not come by spending it he knew very well because as he was young he used to go for business meeting with his father he used to go and play golf with his father he knew how money comes but for some reason he thought that his money would never get finished that is what they call foolishness foolishness so what was he thinking that he will keep spending the money till he grows old and die? foolishness is as simple as ABC but this is does answer no It's time to chill with the big boys. Verse 23. And because of their foolishness, the Bible said, and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and to four footed beasts, and to creeping things. (sighs) You see, it's interesting how people think that God cannot protect them, but rather an old man in a village. Or in a corner somewhere with some things around his head can give them some beads tied around a rope that can protect them. It's a they call the greatest insults to go is to see people in church go elsewhere for protection and they go to oh, how can you go to a bed a tree a rock water to protect you you see, I don't even know how to address this issue because there is no point. Like I can't even make the head and tail. They change the glory when you look at creation, when you look at your human body. If you are not into science, just take a study into the human cell. The six billion cells that are in your body. Just take any of them and begin to peruse it. Just look at the universe, look at creation. Oh, and you say the one behind all these things cannot protect you. But it is a stone that you put under your bed. Some leaf and water that you must wash your face with three times every day can protect you. It's amazing that the God who parted the Red Sea before the Israelites and these same people, after they had crossed, they were jubilating and even Miriam composed a song, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods. And you know why they said among the gods? Because Egypt had so many gods. Who oh, is like thee? You are glorious. And good. The same people. Because Papa Moses had gone to skip long on the mountain, they took their own earrings, their own jewelry, and they persuaded Aaron to make a golden calf. And they told themselves that this is the calf that brought us out of Egypt. Hey, I can't think far. You right before your eyes, the red sea was before you the Egyptian army was behind you and God parted them and you yourself, you walked in the Red Sea because the man who led you has kept long on the mountain. You took your own earrings and made a calf out of it and you are saying that the thing you now you created delivered you. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm speechless. verse <laughs> 24. Now this is the part I us to take note of. The Bible is saying, because of the state of the heart of a man, of the condition of this prodigal son, look at what happened. And there's something very scary about God. The Bible says in the verse 24, Wherefore, God also gave them up. Hey, This thing is a very, very scary statement. That God gives people up. And you look at other scriptures. God gives people up. So he said, wherefore, God also gave them up unto uncleanness through the last of their hearts to dishonor their own bodies among themselves. Let's look at something in First Thessalonians 2 verse 10 about God giving people up. This is a very scary truth about God because of the suppressing truth in righteousness because what is plain about God you are saying no, you are seeing two eyes, you are saying no, 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 no. Look at Second Thessalonians 2 verse 10 and 11. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. So here again, people, even though they know the truth, because there was the deceitful, the deceivableness of unrighteousness, like the same thing the Hebrew writer said, the deceitfulness of sin, they because they received not the truth, they receive not the love of the truth. So even though the truth they decided not, they rejected the truth the reality what was played before them they rejected it because of this action look at the verse 11 for this cause god shall send them a strong dissolution that they should believe a lie because you have rejected what is plain before your eyes god gives you up god gives you up he stands for he causes you to continue to believe what you are believing and there's a practical scenario of this story of this situation in second chronicles chapter 18 it's a very interesting story. And the story is said twice. Um, um I think I not get time to look for the other portion. But the first one is in Second Chronicles 18, the whole of the chapter. And I think the next, the same story is in Kings, about a king, Ahab, who was going to fight a war. And he wanted the king of Judah, I think Ahab was the king of Israel. He wanted the king of Judah to ally or to form with him or to join to fight Amramodgilia. So when he called Jerusalem, Jerusalem was like, before you go and fight this war, let us inquire of the Lord. So what did um, this Ahab do? Ahab called forth 400 prophets, 400 prophets, and when the 400 prophets came, they told him something, that go to Ramodgidia and prosper. Thou says the Lord, go to. And if, if you, I think we have to read a portion of it. Let's go to Second Chronicles. It's very interesting the way the scripture puts it. Second Chronicles 18, we just be reading certain portions of it for the sake of time. So in verse 5, Therefore the king of Israel gathered together of prophets, 400 men, and he said unto them, Shall we go to Ramodgidia, or shall I forbid? And they said, Go up. For God will deliver thee into the king's hand. So they all told the prophet that i go up. But look at something. But Joseph said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord beside that we may inquire? It gives us an idea that these 400 prophets were not prophets of the Lord. And King Ahab knew this. Let's see. And the king of Israel said unto Joseph, Listen to what the king said. He said, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the lord but i hate him why does he hate him for he never professes good unto me but always evil you are not doing the right thing yet you want the right prophecies. and this is typical of many of us in the church you are playing the buffoonery in life yet still you want god to bless you with a perfect spouse for marriage That's one thing about us, you are always jumping from pillar to post, living a careless and a vain life, yet still you go to church with the facade of humility, beckoning and warning prophets to prophesy all is well with you, when you know very well you are denying the truth so they called forth this prophet i want you to take note of the vision so when the prophet came prophet micaiah when he came and he asked him that um should i go to ramod gideon and prosper he said, shall oh, charlie go for god is with you now look at the king what the king said to micaiah now let's take note even before micaiah came when they went to call him look at what happened and the king of israel called for one of his officers and said very quickly micaiah and the king of israel and joseph had, and joseph are the king of judah sat either of them on his throne, clothed in their robe, and they sat in the void, blah blah and the prophets prophesied before them. So these four hundred prophets were still prophesying. They were I actually they were jumping on their feet. They were bouncing Go to Ramagidia and Prosper in a very cartoonic way. Now let's go to the verse yes, the verse twelve. And the messenger that went to call Malachi said unto him, Behold, the words of the prophets declare good unto the king with one assent Let thy word therefore I pray thee be like one of them, speak thou good. So this guy who has been sent to call Micaiah is giving my a warning that As you are coming, 400 prophets have already told them told the king good things. They did it in one accord. As you are coming, don't come and say anything contrary. And yet again, this day will be here. We know the truth. That what Paul says is that. In the last days, people have itchy ears and they will put pressure on those who share the word of God to preach things that will confirm and condone them, especially when it comes to money. And last week or last week, I gave an example of how somebody who was brought an offer to tamper with um, SRC election results for a huge sum of money. And he came to me to ask me, what do you want to tell me? Because at the end of the day, he will bring a big seed from the, the money. And because of this thing, sometimes the hands of preachers are forced. And it's the same thing that this guy is doing. And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, I will only speak the truth. So when he came before the two kings, he said, Go and prosper. But listen to what happened in the verse 15. And the king said unto him, How many times shall I adjourn thee that say nothing but the truth to me in the name of the Lord? So when Micaiah came, and said, go to Ramogidia and prosper. The king himself knew that it was not the truth. So he told Micaiah, hey, I've been telling you many times, tell me only the truth. So that means that he knew what the truth was and he knew that going to Ramogidia and prospering was not the will of God and was not the word of God. Now look at the vision Micaiah gives. Then he said, so now Micaiah is telling the people, the king, the vision he saw i did see all israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep have no shepherd and the lord said to me they have no master let them return therefore every man into his own house in peace meaning that before god god did not recognize ahab as king so the people of israel like a sheep without a shepherd and nation without a leader so let every man not worry themselves let everybody go and sleep and look at never and the king of Israel said to Joseph did I not tell you that you prophesy that you will not prophesy good unto me but evil so as myah gave the introduction to his prophecy or to his vision the king ah I said it this is the way he started he's already prophesying doom I know this guy there. He will never say anything good you are not doing the right thing you want us to say good things hmm. so the guy continues his vision he says that's the in verse 18. Again he said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. Listen to the vision. I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne. Verse 18. Again he said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne, and all the hosts of heaven standing on his right and on his left. And the the Lord said, Who shall entice Ahab, the king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-gilead?" And one speaks in this manner, and another saying that manner. So the Lord asked the question actually, this Ahab, I want somebody to be able to deceive him so that he will go to Gidea and when he goes, he will die. And people were bringing up their suggestion. But look at what one said. Then there came out a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I would entice him. And the Lord said, how? And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all the prophets. And the Lord said, shall thou entice him even so? Verse 21. And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And look at the way that Micaiah referred to all his prophets. And the Lord said, Thou shalt entice him, and thou shalt also prevail. Go out and even do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of all thy prophets, and the Lord has spoken ill against thee. And Zedekiah, he smote Micaiah, that means he slapped Micaiah by the cheek. And I don't want to pause over here. It's a very interesting story. So go and look at what happened after Maakaya gave the the dream. He was actually locked up in prison, but I don't want to give spoiler alert. It's a very nice story. But the point I want you to realize is that because the King Ahab knew the truth, and consciously suppressed and rejected the truth. This time, God himself organized a conference in heaven and asked for ideas on how they will lead this guy to a battle to die. God gave him up. God gave him up. There are so many um, statements of God giving people up in the story of Balak and Baram, the prophet. This prophet came and God told him, do not go and prophesy." And he came to God about three times. Why are you expecting God to change? And God said, okay, go, go, you there, go. And on his way was when the donkey saw an angel. And the Bible tells us that if the donkey did not see the angel, the angel was coming to smooth the prophet. That means that God had given the prophet up. I've told you not to go. And you have come again. Why do you want to change my mind and God gave him up and that what Romans 1 is also telling us that because people rejected the truth God gave them up and let's see what happened when God gave these people up That's verse 24 therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness to the last of their own hearts to dishonor their bodies their own bodies between themselves so gayism or lesbianism and homosexuality is a result of God giving people up who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator? People worship themselves. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to look into Romans 1. Who is blessed for a for, woman? Amen. For this cause, God gave them up. Verse 26, God is giving them up unto vile emotions. For even their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. So even nature tells us the natural use of a woman. And likewise, also men, living the natural use of women, men no living the natural use, bent in their lust, one to another, men working with men, that which is unseeming, is the way Paul is being diplomatic and careful with his words, and eyes with themselves, that recompense of their error, which was meat, verse 28. And even as they did not retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up, it and even as they did not retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to their reprobate mind to do things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of oh, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boosters, inventors of evil. Hey. Now, the things people have invented, oh, Jesus, ah, disobedience to parents. The one that you have to peruse Romans 1. Without understanding, covenant breakers, you stand before God and before the church and sins, and you say for better, for worse. And two days after you make such statements, some people on their way to make such statements, you have already broken the covenant, covenant breakers without natural affection. Sometimes you ask yourself that the spouse of these people that are causing them pain don't they reason? You would marry somebody and you abandon the person, you'll cause the person pain. And the scripture goes on and on and on. But this, all these things are telling us the effects. Of people who are independent of God, and the story of the parable of the loving father or the prodigal son, everything is encapsulated in a sentence that he desired to eat the food that belongs to pigs. Ah, oh. the son of a rich man is now desiring pigs' food. How did it end up here? How come we, who are the cost, who are the caretakers of creation, the ones who used to have conversations with God in the garden of Eden, we are now turned the natural use of women to that which is unseemly. People that God has blessed with intelligence, with creativity, God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. God has graced us, but because we have told ourselves that life in the Father's house is not worth it, we are now desiring. When you see people who are not, who don't have God, when you look at their life, when you, I remember one time uh, I think on our way back from work, I and some colleagues we were just remissing some days. And we used to remember some actors and some musicians who were on top of, of their career. When they were very young, if you know anybody who was a young actor, like age 14, 13, the person used to be a very good actor and musician. And you just could not wait to see them. Some of the when you Google them and you look at their current state, say, ah, somebody with so much talent, with so much grace, with so much ability, and now some of them, you even think they're old. When you look at they're now 40, 35. And you look at how messed up their lives are. And you see that God has given them up. Especially if you watch this movie, awards, or whatever, they I don't know what, to, but when you see these movie shows or awards and fashion awards, and you see the dressing. Of people who are supposed intelligent people, you don't even you can't even put a head and a tail to their dress. But yet, it is fashion. And because we too we are we are on our way out of the father's house, we are so obsessed about these people they are dressing that we use them as wallpapers, we use them as as screen savers or whatever. We have them and we are designed to dress like them. The son of a rich man is now desiring the fruit of peace. But thank God for this guy. The Bible said, and one day he came to himself and said, Even the servants in my father's house, they eat better. They live a better life than what I'm doing. And that's what God is calling us tonight. He's saying, Come home. He's saying, Come to your senses. I'm praying to God for everyone say that you come to your senses. Some of us are so proud. The word of God cannot change us. I put some things on my status, some marriage things, and One day, a lady commented. She asked me this thing that I won't do. I won't do. It was the word of God. me. I should do this on my husband. I won't do. And I just, I didn't comment. I just said, oh, I I just, I forgot what I said. But I just gave a response. I said, ah, you won't do. You are wiser than the word of God. And I asked for this daily. I won't do. And look at your life. Messed up life. There is no real joy in your life. There is no real peace and a sense of meaning. Your whole life is about chasing money. And you just realize that it was not worth it. One day I was talking to someone and the person said, I live for my children. And now my other children, nobody comes to visit her. or, or I was not hell him. She was all alone. She used to steal government money just to take their children, travel, take them here, take them there. She gave the children the best life. But now none of them is even picking up the phone to even call calling. And now she's all alone in a big house. And she realized, I oh, no, these ungrateful children. <laughs> I pray that you will come home. Stop being proud. Stop being proud. Accept the word of God. And that's why this podcast is called Renew Your Mind. It. And God gives you up to your mind. Your mind. Your mindset. Your value system. The things you value. I think I'll share last week that when when I will have church discussion and people are talking about their finances, their relationship, their life, I just cannot relate. I just can't relate. Look at social media. The things we endorse on social media. The free pornographic information on social media, unprecedented. And you see people who have on their bio, scriptures, God is great, God is God's girl, God's boy. And you see the things they tweet, the things they post. You realize that these are people who are feeding, who are desiring pigs food. These are children of the uncreated creator. But Jesus is saying, come. The writer of Hebrews says, come. And God is saying, come home. Man was not created to be independent of God. The prodigal son was not created to live outside the Father's house. This is maybe you may be on the right path, but this word is a seed that we are sowing into our hearts. The one that we read over here, then God told the that after thou art eating and thou hast become full, do not forget God. Come home. We want to just spend some time in prayer. That maybe it's in our finances, maybe it's in our relationship, it's in our health, it's in how we relate with people. We are always spoiling relationships. We are always destroying friendships. We cannot relate to people because of our pride, because of our naughtiness, because of the filthiness in our hearts. We do not see that fornication is wrong anymore. Lying is normal to you. Gossiping is normal to you. It just shows that God is giving you up. Oh, but tonight you want to tell God that we are coming home. The prodigal says, I will arise and go back home. God is inviting you and God is inviting me. Let this word be a seed in your life because you will be surprised the things you can do when you eat and you are full. But may this word be a seed in your heart that when you are tempted to leave the Father's house, you will hear the everlasting call of Jesus that says, Come. Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for your word. We thank you for reminding us. We thank you for this eternal seed that you have sown in our heart. We pray that you will lay aside all naughtiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And we will receive with weakness your word. That you will live every day in the consciousness that we are yours. You will live every day in the reality that you are our God. May what we say yes to and no to be totally influenced by your will, And we respond to your call. Just as the prodigal said, we come back to our senses. Lay your hands on your head and say, we are coming back to our senses. Father, every area of our life where we are living outside your house, outside your influence, we are coming back to your senses, to our senses. And we are returning to our Father's home. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Wow. Please play this episode again. Share this harmony with you who is living life outside the father's house and sow a seed of prayer into someone's heart into someone's life into that sibling, into that friend into that classmate, into that colleague that they should come see you next week and remember that we are still giving God our very best very best and we are owing no man nothing but love bye bye